When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazneyland Brain. I'm joined, as always, by my brother on the west side, Nando Vila. What's up, man? Doing well, doing well. About to try not to DUI any of these. Any of these. <laughs> I'm the best. Listen, shout to Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and we don't condone that. Like, get a designated driver or take an Uber. Um, however, uh... It's some funny ass shit going on uh, in democratic politics, and we're going to get into that towards the end of the show. Uh, first things first, um, I just realized as I got on to record this that I'm wearing the exact same shirt that I was wearing last week <laughs> on the show. Just two two weeks in a row, I'm wearing the same shirt. Uh, shouts to the Rosses by my crib. I bought this nice NBA shirt that I could work out in. Um, and I'm really digging it. Uh, but no, but first, man, a lot of pretty pivotal elections happened. I guess all elections are pretty fucking pivotal at this point. Happened um, here in the great state of California. Here we had the mayoral. What what was this um, exactly, it's, it's, Nando? It's a jungle. They call it a jungle primary. Okay. Um, yeah. Basically, it's not like it's not like a it's not like your classic kind of party primaries, like the way like you know Bernie ran against Hillary mm -hmm, in the Democratic mm -hmm. primary. It's like there's like a bunch of people kind of run, you know, doesn't matter what party they are, and then if anyone gets above fifty percent, they win. Um, but if if you don't, then like the top two go up to a, a if no one gets fifty percent or more, then the top two go on to the runoff in November, which is like the kind of quote unquote real election. Um, so yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and so what ended up happening is that Karen Bass, who Nando damned with fate praise before the show by calling her, quote, a not terrible Democrat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, which, look, man, that, that statement's going to have resonance when we get into what we get into later on in the show. Uh, and Rick Caruso, who's like, you know, an uber wealthy guy um and yeah and so there'll be there they will be going up against one another for for people who don't know rick caruso i felt this race interesting in in two ways simply because one because i'm lazy and i'm a bad um you know civilian i'm still registered in new york state to vote uh right. i don't i don't vote in california uh and two like a couple of things all of my lib friends on social just just like panic posting. Guys, Caruso's going to get the the 51%. Guys, we can't this will be doomed. Kid Caruso like they they hate Caruso. Um my good yeah. lib friends. And the second thing I noticed about his candidacy Nando, he's the candidate to the stars. 
uh, Kim oh, yeah. Kardashian endorsement, Snoop Dogg endorsement, like just all kinds of celebrities. Elon Musk. <laughs> like it was just fucking hilarious. Katy um, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> like love he, it. Got, he got all these celebrity endorsements, and then you know, of course, because we're still, I think we're still in the midst of what my man Pascal Robert calls the Great Awakening. Um. Mm. You know, Karen Bass, uh, a professional, you know, great resume, black woman running on the other side. A lot of, you know, a lot of my good liberals, especially, you know, the black yuppie set that I tend to know here in L.A. It was like this strong black woman needs our support and yada, yada, yada. Nobody was really. I'm not going to lie. Nobody was, not that I was looking for them to, but nobody was like, yo, this chick supports this, or she supports that, or Rick Caruso supports this. It was kind of just like, you know, Caruso, bad, 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 evil. And um, Karen Bass, uh, you know, she's a, a great woke. Well, she will represent a woke progress, right? Um, yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like in LA, the only thing people care about right now is the homelessness situation um and i'm assuming people are gonna vote for whoever they think is gonna most effectively deal with it yeah well or or you know who's who most effectively campaigns uh right on on that (laughs) issue and neither of them is gonna do anything about it i mean so uh, rick caruso it's worth pointing out rick caruso is a republican okay Mm -hmm. Um, this is like how funny these celebrity endorsements are because like if he and then he he was a Republican his whole life. He's a billionaire real estate developer. He developed The Grove, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood. I like The Grove. It's a cute little place. It's yeah. like a place where I take people who are visiting L.A. I'm like, yeah. oh, let me take you to this outdoor mall. It's, it's cute. Yeah. The trolley. Yeah. It's nice yeah. at the Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a cool little spot. Yeah. yeah. So he did that. Um, he's a billionaire. He's a Republican. Uh, like two seconds before he decided to run for mayor, he switched to Democrat <laughs> uh, because L.A. is, you know, Democrat. Um, and he, uh, you know, he obviously like self-financed his campaign. Mm-hmm. I mean, if to the extent that you saw any ads um, about this race, they were most likely Rick Caruso ads. Like, I'm sure like, you know, was like you live in L.A., like if you're watching the NBA finals or mm-hmm. if you're you know on YouTube or whatever, like you're just going to see tons of uh, Rick Caruso ads. Um, and yeah, man, he's been very effective at getting these celebs to uh, endorse him. I'm, I'm looking here at a uh, LA mag list. Okay. Katy Perry, Snoop Dogg, Wolfgang Puck, oh my Elon God. Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk said Los, Los Angeles is fortunate to have someone like Rick Caruso running for mayor. He's awesome. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kim Kardashian, Chris wow. Jenner, Ted Sarandos, Maria Shriver, Scooter Braun, Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel, George Lopez. <laughs> this is crazy. Good shit. Um, and which, and, you which know, means I, I, he, he cut a check and these people endorsed him. Oh, yeah, probably. That's it. Uh, but I'm wondering if he was like still a Republican or like officially a Republican. He's obviously still a Republican, right? Mm-hmm. Um how many of them would would have the balls to endorse him? Uh, right. But my, my friend Josh Androsky, who's like very involved in local LA politics, he he was he was very involved in the Hugo Soto Martinez campaign for city council, which we you know who we interviewed on this show uh, back in the day. He he told me that Rick Caruso is basically Trump, except he's not funny, you know. <laughs> and that he's real like, estate he's, guy, yeah. uh, born into money guy, and yeah. is just a really egomaniac. Yeah. 
Um, and he, you know, he's been running basically on a, I would say like, I would call it like a tough on homelessness uh, uh, platform, which I think, you know, probably has a lot of purchase uh, Hell here yeah. in LA. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, for example, he's an advocate of, uh, you, you know, this was, is you're in New York, you're from New York, uh, Bill Bratton's broken windows policy of, course. Uh, of policing. Uh, mm -hmm. Rick Caruso has kind of endorsed that um, that strategy for policing. Um, and, you know, he definitely sucks. I don't know. He definitely sucks. And uh, Karen Bass, the Democrat who 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 got in the runoff. You want to you want to hear a quick list of uh, celebs that endorsed uh, Karen Bass? Absolutely. Some funny ones too. Samuel L. Jackson. Hell yeah. <laughs> Ken Jeong, you know, the Asian guy. Of um, course. From. Uh... What you gonna call yeah. it? Uh, fuck the Hangover. The Hangover. Yeah. Uh, Great actor. Donald Glover, Magic Johnson, Steven Chasta, Spielberg. Shots to Donald Glover. He's a um comrade. Yeah. No, he's not. He's an Andrew Yang guy. Uh, oh, is he really? I thought oh, he was yeah, a comrade. Yeah. No, 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 no. He's not an Donald Yang Glover. Guy. I met Danny Glover. <laughs> oh yeah, Danny Glover. Danny Glover is a comrade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought Donald you said Glover Danny Glover. Donald no, Glover no. is yeah. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, but then there's some random ones. Like I'm looking at this list: Roger Goodell. Oh, wow, <laughs> Roger Goodell. Yeah. Like I guess those daps at the NFL um, draft actually paid off in some type of way. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, we got John Legend. Uh, yeah, we got a bunch. Uh, but yeah, it, you know the the all important celebrity uh, primary. But. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the election in November is this kind of billionaire real estate developer guy who is pretty terrible. Uh, and Karen Bass, who's like, fine. You know, I'm mm -hmm. talking to Josh. He was like, obviously, you know, amongst those two, Karen Bass would be infinitely more uh, preferable. But she's not like, you know, I, I wouldn't even call her a progressive, uh, let alone, you know, uh, comrade. Right. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. She's just a not completely abhorrent Democrat. Yeah. Which She's not a Raytheon I, executive, you know? Right, exactly, which I guess is a step in the right direction um, that we can all live with. Uh, so we want to move on to San Francisco where, you know, I spent five days out there. Uh, shouts to everybody in the Bay. Uh, I was there for the first two games of the NBA Finals um, where, you know, the district attorney, man, like – Got toppled, a really progressive district attorney who won his previous campaign on just like, you know, like low, like getting rid of ridiculous bails and not locking a bunch of people up and, you know, really doing some progressive policy. But I guess, man, the homelessness issue out there has come back to bite this guy in his ass. And I guess it comes down to a coalition of people who just want to criminalize homelessness. Um, and, and look, it, this is what I think about honestly, man, for, for most of it. And if you're a politician, this, 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 this tactic, although it might seem cynical, seems to be the one that would work the best. People just don't want to see it. They just yeah. don't want to have to look at homeless people. They don't care where you bring them. 
They don't care yeah. what becomes of them. They don't actually care about the well-being of these people. And so much that the homelessness issue makes them sick is that they have to constantly be bombarded by it. And yeah. people don't like that. And, you know, oftentimes the, the solution that the cops come up with is to just arrest them. Like, yo, you got yeah. drugs on you. You know, you're openly doing drugs. You're all this other stuff. Like, we're just going to put you in the damn pokey. And I guess that won out. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty bleak because, you know, the, the the sort of twin issues that are kind of rearing their heads, both in California and in a lot of cities around America, is the either the reality or the perception of rising crime, you know, and, and people argue about that stuff. And it's it's not really important, you know, what what the actual particulars are of, of it. But, you know, there is this perception, at least that there is uh, rising crime. And there's some evidence to suggest that there is a, a rise in, in crime. Mm -hmm. um, and also just like the very dramatic rise in homelessness. I mean, there was a big spike in homelessness all over California and the country after 2008. But since the pandemic, it just like, you know, here in LA and, and in San Francisco, it's like really skyrocketed and it's kind of warped the politics of, of, of the, of the cities because it turns people, homelessness turns people into like full on reactionaries. Like they don't, you know, and the, the problem is that the solution to these issues is like very clear and obvious, which is that to solve crime, you basically need to fund social services, not just like social workers to deal with mm -hmm. like criminals, but also like Medicare for all would reduce crime, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, better jobs would reduce crime. And all of these things are expensive and take a lot of time. Um, and instead, what we do is the much cheaper option, which is just, you know, basically criminalize everything and, and, and incarcerate. And, and, and that's the part that I think is important. Um, even when you talk about stuff like defund the police, right, uh, which it's a great idea in practice, um, you know, like not and, and like decriminalizing uh, the situation with the homelessness. But if you have no infrastructure in place, like the police thing I think about, because I'm like, look, if people don't have jobs that they can go work at and this stuff is still illicit and and illegal and profitable and people are going to fight over those profits this idea that you just tell the cops to go home and we wish this problem away that don't make no sense there's no infrastructures to support that as an idea right so you know and i say it all the time like we have we have a counter example it's called prohibition we literally invented organized crime in america because we fucking banned alcohol you know, illegal trade sprang up, mass crime, murder, all kinds of violence, all kinds of crazy shit. We decided one day we're not going to do it anymore. Nobody gets killed over the sale of alcohol anymore, right? Not that we don't have alcoholics still, not that there aren't some societal ills involved with the abuse of alcohol, but we got it regulated. We got it under control. And now, you know, there's no, there's no thing is, you know, nobody yeah. passes out if somebody's drinking a beer in public, right? Like we have the counter example of this. And, you know, I think that's what we need to do with drugs as well. Like I just, I will just always feel that way. Um, however, with the homeless problem, like, again, like we can be less punitive in how we deal with the homelessness issues in places like New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, 
But man, if we don't got no nothing to do with these people, we have no programs to pump in. We can't support them in any way. We can't put them up in housing. We can't like it, it's it, it, you're dealing with two bad choices here, which is yeah, fucking criminalize them or just let this shit be, you know, goddamn hamsterdam from the wire, which nobody wants to deal with. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, dude, I mean, I understand if you're, you know, if you live in L.A. and you're just like a middle class person and and there's like a homeless person living on your street doing heroin Take, and your and wife a dump. kids have to. Yeah, right. whatever. Like, you, you know, like you want them gone, you know, whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, like, I understand that instinct. I mean, the, the solution to homelessness is not fucking rocket science like other countries and other cities have have figured it out. Like, I mean, I don't know. I was just in Spain. You walk around Spain, you don't see homeless people. You just don't. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they they're don't, you know, like, it's not, not like it is here, you know, that there is, when you, when you kind of put in housing laws that um, keep the cost of, of, of housing down, you will reduce the number of homeless, you know, that's just the reality. Like, that, that, you know, because in America, we're, we're having a, a, a housing cost issue um, that is just, unbelievable uh both mm -hmm. in terms of rents but also in housing prices all that shit like that leads to a rise in homelessness like it's not rocket science like you need more affordable housing um and as well as shelters to put people in when they're when they can't even when they can't even afford that um but again those things take a lot of money they take a lot of time and they take a lot of political will that just doesn't exist in a system like ours that disperses powers to local communities you know, we think of local communities as like these kind of nice, quaint things. But the smaller this is something that Amber Lee Frost always talks about, that the the smaller the political unit, the more reactionary it is. You mm -hmm. know, like your family, you know, like you'll do anything to protect your family. Right. Like you <laughs> right. murder someone. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, what I mean, like the, the smaller the political unit, the more it reactionary your instinct is, the larger it gets, the the kind of more progressive it gets. So. If we had if we didn't have this kind of insane federal system in which like 50 well-organized neighbors can block any homeless shelter in their neighborhood, you know, because they can like go show up to city council meetings and shit like that, that, you know, most normal people don't do. Um, then you're just never going to get a solution to the problem, really. I mean, fundamentally, like in, in other countries where the central government has much more power, you know, the central government just like, OK, like this is our country. Where do we have a homelessness crisis? OK, there we need more housing we're just going to force that city to do it. You know what I mean? Um, and they make the decision uh, elsewhere and it, and it, and it frankly works out better. Um, but here, like, because we have these kind of this very loose federal system in which like, yeah, like 50 neighbors can organize and block something. <laughs> and just you know? say like, uh, you're not allowed to make a housing unit that's more than three floors you know, yeah. um, high and, you know, and you're in the middle of San Francisco in a legitimate fucking housing crisis where, you know, you shipping people off to Sacramento and God knows where because they can no longer, you know, afford to live in the city that they grew up in and that they even work in oftentimes like civil servants and shit. Uh, and you, you know, you have a problem on your hands and you know, you sent me this 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 story um, through a New York Times article, and in the article they mentioned like, oh, you know, this comes at a time where Democrats nationally uh, are trying to figure out what their messaging is 
on stuff like homelessness or stuff like, you know, policing, which middle class suburbanites and people like that, they are a lot more conservative on those issues than normal. And my instinct was to be like, man, why are we making this a national referendum of San Francisco, which is a hyper specific city, right? Like I think about um, Uvalde, right? Like that shooting in the sticks in the middle of fucking nowhere. You can't make that a referendum on policing. Like that police department has absolutely nothing in common with the NYPD. There is no overlap. There is no crossover. They call themselves cops, but the, the NYPD in its sheer numbers, money, like militants, like you can't compare what those cats do over there in that dusty ass town to what NYPD, which can legitimately be considered a fucking army. Okay, a yeah. little mini army, right? It's larger um, than most countries' armies. Period. Like, you can't yeah. compare those two. So, like, my instinct is to be like, man, don't do that. But then again, Nando, when I think about it, I'm like, yo, most big cities are facing a lot of these problems. They're facing issues of housing. They are facing issues of extreme inequality that leads to homelessness like we see it here in la we see it here in new york we see it here in san francisco which by the way all democratic party strongholds mm -hmm. um which you know vote blue no matter who vote just vote man no vote <laughs> don't bitch vote um because yeah. you know that's gonna be our salvation which you know when barry's patronizing us like that the other part he's saying is like vote for democrats that's what he's implying like just vote and everything yeah. is going to be great. Um, you know, I do wonder what the Democrats are going to do about this because guess what? Their last and only strongholds left are these major yeah, I mean, cities. What they're going to do is they're going to they're going to move to the right, but it's the same thing. Uh, it's the same th issue with like national security stuff, in which like they they're whenever they try to move to the right on that stuff, voters just don't trust them on those issues. Like they just like associate the Republicans for whatever reason, more with those. So when Democrats try to do it, it always comes off as fake, you know? <laughs> so when like the Democrats run like on a, you know, expanding policing and a tough on crime platform, and then some other Republicans like running on that same shit, like people are gonna be like, ah, I trust the Republican on that stuff more. You know, like if I care about that stuff, you know, they're mm -hmm. gonna trust the Republican more. So it never works out anyway, you know? So. Yeah, I mean it's uh, the dude. It's a bleak political time. I mean the the, the Chase Bowden, which is the, who's the progressive DA in San Francisco, his recall is just like brutal because like, you know what what ended up what 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 ended up happening in San Francisco, and this is this is Larry Krasner has faced a little bit of this in in Philly, although Philly. Krasner just seems like a, a uniquely talented guy who's like able to overcome that stuff. But like, essentially, what happens is the cops go on strike. And they refuse to investigate crimes and they and they just like let crimes go like there's a story of chase abudin uh, in that new york times piece of like having his office like having to rent a u-haul truck to like basically do a citizen's arrest on this guy who was like a known burglar who was like running rampant and the cops just like wouldn't arrest him because they're they're protesting they don't want they, they want a tough on crime da to have their back and whenever like a guy who's like trying to hold cops accountable or whatever mm -hmm. the cops are just like okay you know like we're just not gonna we'll go on strike they, what, and what are they going to do? You know, like they can't do anything about it, you know, like, um, so man, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, you know, and then the, you know, crime rises and then the media latches onto it and then people's perception of crime, you know, probably gets overblown. And then, yeah, it's a vicious cycle. And, you know, 
you're going to see a, a rash of like more reactionary policies kind of be passed and shit like there's no real solution again with given the current political uh, yeah. tools that we have at our disposal and i know we sound like a fucking broken record but it's the only it's the only real solution to the social ills that that affect america whether it's gun violence or you know crime or you know police reform or whatever is like it's all kind of meaningless until you have an organized working class i mean this is where like a lot of the political analysis falls short like i'm a i'm a you know i'm a pretty doctrinaire marxist you know and and you know <laughs> Why, why'd you like say that, that under your breath like that <laughs> well because people, people get like, people like yeah, you know and i'm like you know like the reality is that like class solidarity is like is the only thing that'll 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 get us out of it and the only way to kind of solidify and uh and really allow the working class to uh to exert power is organized labor and until they do that, until there is like an organized uh, labor movement that is large and powerful and militant, like all this political stuff is just going to be culture war back and forth. Um, you know, no real fundamental change, no real kind of solution to any of the social ills, which are basically give people security in their lives, give people a decent income, a decent job, uh, a decent house to live in, um, future for their kids food on their table, all that stuff. Uh, and a lot of social ills just kind of go away when you do that. Um, mm. If not, you get violence, you get gun mm. deaths, you get drug addiction, you get suicide, you get crime, um, and you get this fucking awful politics. And that's just that's just the reality of where we're going to be for a while. Damn, so fixing microaggressions won't solve everything? No, dude, no. Yo, I don't know. Y'all know this. I mean, y'all know I'm not from here. My dad uh, is from Sudan. I'm from Sudan. My dad's lived a really interesting life. He literally grew up in a village. He was born in a village by the Nile. Yes, that's right. Just like, just like Moses. <laughs> My father was like, grew up like playing in the Nile and avoiding crocodiles and stuff like that. He got the most interesting man in the world. And like when he was seven, he had to leave. And he moved to a town in Western Sudan. Uh, he left his mom, he left his entire family other than his dad. His dad, my grandfather was a, was a merchant. So my dad lived with him as he went to school in, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where he grew up. And then obviously he you know, continued to grow and he moved to Khartoum and he went to college. And then midway through college, he decided to hitchhike through Europe. That's right, like with like five dollars to his name. This man hitchhiked on boats and trains and all types of shit until he got to Europe and went to countries where he, he didn't speak any language and they didn't speak any language. And he had to talk about going into restaurants and going into the kitchen and for the, them to show him what's cooking so he could say yes to this and no to that or whatever because there was no uh, communication going on. I say all this say, like, my dad has a million stories. And I'm pretty sure I haven't heard them all. Even the ones I've heard are pretty interesting. But I wish there was a way I could get all the stories together, particularly the ones that I don't know yet. And now there is. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your dad or father figure connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. How it works. Every week, StoryWorth emails your dad a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, 
What is one of your fondest childhood memories? Or have you ever feared for your life? This is a, a million questions you could ask, right? You know, for me, it would be like, when did you realize you were poor? It said my dad grew up barefoot in a village. Like, when? what was the moment he realized he was poor? I don't think I've ever asked him that, but that's the kind of question I think I'd love to, to ask. And, and once I asked it, I, I really would enjoy reading the answers to those questions. You discover stories and memories you never heard about and learn new things about stories you thought you really knew. As I told you about my dad hitchhiking through Europe. After one year, StoryWorth compiles all those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. I mean, just think about it. I've got kids, and, you know, luckily, you know, my, my, my dad and my mom live with us, so my kids have a relationship with their grandparents that I didn't have because my grandparents were dead, you know, before I was born. Um, but imagine being able to go back and read all those stories and the crazy stories and memories that my dad had. Uh, it's it's a great story worth this. This is one of probably one of the best Father's Day gifts you can come up with. So this is what I want you to do: give all the fathers in your life a meaningful gift you can both cherish for years to come. Story worth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storywatch.com slash bomb. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash B-O-M-M. Save $10 off your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash B-O-M-M. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I want to get to my favorite story of the day, Nando. Uh, the second most or third most pop powerful Democrat in America, a woman you guys might have heard of, Nancy Pelosi, recently had some had to do some financial disclosures, Nando. Yeah, and you know, just a couple of interesting. Just some interesting tidbits came out of that. Mm. Um, and this is coming out of Reuters, uh, Nando. In a periodic transaction report signed last Friday and appearing on the House of Representatives website on Monday, the senior Democrat disclosed that her husband, financier Paul Pelosi, on May 13th, bought Apple, bought Apple call options for between 500,000 and 1 million. On May 24th, he bought more Apple call options in an amount between 250,000 and 500,000. The disclosure, the disclosure shows. On the same day, Paul Pelosi bought Microsoft call options for as much as $600,000. So, mm. Nancy Pelosi's husband bought about two million bucks in stock in these tech companies, which and people say what, might say, well, why don't you? Why would this even matter? You know, like who? What, what, what does this matter, Nando? I'm gonna give you a, a counter example. Professional sports. 
We've legalized gambling. Mm. NBA players cannot bet on NBA games. Yeah. Not that they can't bet on the games that they play, they themselves play in because they can obviously affect the outcomes. They can't bet on games, period. And when you do get caught, the punishments are severe. We're talking about a third of a year of game yeah. checks, if not outright kicked out of the NBA for yeah. having gambled on your sport. Obviously, politics is a little bit different, right? But it's not really. It, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, Nancy Pelosi can absolutely put her finger on the scale on policy that can make Apple stock, Microsoft stock more valuable. So yeah. the idea that this chick and her husband can be playing roulette at the or roulette or be at the craps table of the stock market while basically being one of the biggest leaders of the Democratic Party, like the idea that this isn't fucking outright corruption, I just don't understand. I mean, this is one of our hobby horses, but I mean, because it's just so blatant that, you know, it's just so flagrantly uh, unethical that, you know, the fact that there are there are people on Wall Street who literally just follow Paul Pelosi's stock trades and just copy them. You know, like if he buys something, people will just buy them. And like they're those people are up on the market like they're they beat the S&P 500, you know, which is kind of like a signal that you're beating the market. Um, there's people that literally just do that. They just watch Paul Pelosi's trades and and they just copy them because everyone understands that if you're the congresswoman, especially the speaker of the house, especially the congresswoman from San Francisco, where especially these companies themselves are headquartered, oh uh, that if you're picking them, you know, uh, at a certain time that you may have wind of certain information or you are aware that certain policies are going to come down or certain regulations are going to be scrapped or whatever um, that might affect uh, these stocks. Um, it's just one of those things that the fact that they're allowed that people in Congress and in the Senate are allowed to pick individual stocks uh, is insane. Um, it's absolutely outrageous. Nancy Pelosi has always defended it. Um, she no, recently no kidding. Kind of, you yeah. don't say she recently kind of like made some bullshit attempt to, to ban it. But like, you know, of course, the Democrats didn't actually do it when they're in power and they're not going to do it um, because half of them are on the take uh, or maybe more than half of them. And it's just again, it's just like waiting for these people to to save us. Like, it's just not going to happen. Gonna like, happen. It's, just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, this is just the latest example and, you know, Waz, it's just funny because, like, man, she's had a tough week, you know? Paul Pelosi Dude, just had a tough week. Uh, Paul Pelosi got popped for DUI, y'all. And my favorite tidbit of this, 82-year-old man getting popped for DUI. Nando, what car was this man driving? A nice 2021 Porsche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this 10.30 p.m. You know, oh my uh, God. They, they were called to the scene at 10.30 p.m. He was arrested about an hour later uh, with a DUI. Uh, and yeah, bail was set to $5,000. Uh, I just love the idea of like an 82-year-old man. I mean, I wouldn't trust an 82-year-old man behind the wheel. Stone you know, sober, at, right. Stone sober at noon, you know. Uh, after a few drinks, Paul Pelosi, man, you're, you're, really, you're really taking a chance there. And it's just, yeah, no. Who cares? Nothing. No, no, nothing. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's just uh, 
Um, he's just going to count his millions. Again, Nancy Pelosi, one of the richest members uh, of Congress uh, by far. Uh, and yeah, um, there was this uh, cover of uh, New York Mag cover uh, on Diane Feinstein, which is just, I, I can't believe they actually wrote this piece, basically kind of defending Feinstein from like the, the, the wave of articles about her that basically say that she's just completely gone mentally. Um, and she's a Senator from the most populous state in, in America. And, um, yeah, she's also rich as fuck. You know, she's got like a Lake Tahoe house, uh, right on the water. That's like worth like $40 million or something crazy like that. Um, these are the, these are the liberals who, um, are supposed to champions of the people, champions of the people. Um, Great. Yeah. So, you know, we just wanted to fill you guys with hope and joy about our political prospects and our political economy. This story just killed me because it's just the perfect um, Democratic Party story in 2022. Uh, anyway, that's our show for today. Make sure you become a Patreon. Costs you a cup of coffee every single month. So if you can't afford it, become a Patreon. Helps us put out put out this great content for you guys. Of course, check out all the other counter dings offerings um we'll see you guys next week peace later <laughs>